Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Die Allen. Conservative. I'm into this guy for wisdom. Well, the left's out there celebrating. I mean, they're just... You haven't seen him this happy in a while because a jury of a bunch of losers and corrupt individuals in America who didn't like Trump, well, they, they, they based a decision based on that. Not the law, mind you, not the law at all. I'm talking about the E. Jean Carroll case, which we've talked about extensively on this show. And I really am disgusted. I am really disgusted by this. The left is out there doing their usual thing, right? What do they say? Oh, he's the, he's the first president that's ever been held liable for sexual whatever. So a U.S. jury finds Donald Trump sexually abused E. Jean Carroll. I, I'll just tell you how absurd this is with one simple point before we get into this a little bit today. So this court, this jury of Trump's peers, of our peers, they found Trump guilty of defamation and liable of battery. What was her allegation? What did she actually show up to court and allege? That Trump raped her. So the court, the jury, wasn't willing to reach a verdict agreeing to her allegation that he raped her. They downgraded the allegation to battery and they found him, Trump, guilty of defamation. So they obviously didn't believe her enough about rape because they didn't find him guilty of rape. They downgraded the charge to battery. And then they found him guilty of defamation. So who is it that's defaming who here? I just get more and more disgusted with these people. You know, I I really, you don't have to like Trump. I mean, the whole way this country functions is that there has to be law and order. You have to be able to bring a certain amount of objectivity to the table. For example, you can disagree with guns in this country. You can have a total, you can have an opposite view that's contrary to the Constitution. But there is a amendment process that is put there that can be utilized to change it so that you take the guns away. There's a lawful way of doing it, but you have to adhere to the Constitution. But what do people do in this country? They don't like it, so they ignore the law. And that is the theme, I think, of this episode. The way these Democrats consistently call for ignoring the rule of law. And I've made the point on this show countless times. It's one thing for the politicians in this country to be dangerous liars and corrupt. But we're in a lot of trouble when the citizenry follows behind. And that's what was demonstrated with this jury today. 
What this means is, in New York, where all of these trials seem to be taking place, now the reason, of course, is because Trump lived there a long time. And it's very unfortunate because New York is a corrupt armpit of America now. So a mentally ill woman can bring charges without any proof against someone famous, a president, former president, alleging rape that took place 30 years ago. And based on her claim and a couple of witnesses that say, oh, yeah, 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 she told me uh, 30 years ago that this happened. Yeah, I, I don't remember when exactly, but yeah, I remember this. This happened. Based on that, a jury in this country will find you guilty. Do you realize what just happened here? Now, this is a civil case. He's not going to jail. And he's going to challenge this. He's going to appeal this. And Alan Dershowitz... I heard him today. He said, any appeals court would throw this out and overturn this verdict if they weren't Donald Trump. And that's the reality. So the issue here, so Trump is supposed to pay her $5 million. Defamation? You know, when you allege defamation, and obviously there's some kind of financial number attached to the damage that you're owed, it suggests that you lost out on income in some way because of the allegations or what was said about you. E. Jean Carroll has profited off of her claim that Trump raped her. Nobody knew who this woman was until circa 2019, I think it was. And she comes forward and she has a book that she wants to sell. And she says, Trump raped me. I wrote about it in my book. She sold books. And by the way, who funded this lawsuit? You see, these are important questions. Lawsuits take money. Lawyers are expensive. Did E. Jean Carroll fund her own lawsuit? No, one of the co-founders of LinkedIn funded her lawsuit. Reed Hoffman a big-time Democrat donor. I told you this was all a setup. Hochul was involved and lifted the statute of limitations to allow this to happen. This was a planned hit job. And now the Democrats can go on the campaign, even if Joe Biden's barely breathing and just a corpse, and they'll say, Donald Trump running for president is a whatever, convicted sexual abuser the first time in history. Cue up cut one, Captain. Now, I, I hope I'm not wearing this out. I just, I just want to attack this from as many angles as possible right now while they're on my mind because I really don't want to talk about this case again and this atrocity, this travesty of justice, this injustice that took place. 
the point I was going to make about the civil case that's important is the bar is a lot lower in a civil case because you're not putting somebody in jail. So let's say you have a criminal case, right? The difference here is a criminal case, it's the state or the people against someone. In a, in a, in a civil case like this, it's E. Jean Carroll against Donald Trump. And in a criminal case, you're talking about jail time. You're talking about taking away someone's freedom. And that's why you hear the word, right? You've got to prove beyond reasonable doubt guilt, right? That's the bar. If there's any doubt left in your mind, you're not supposed to cast a guilty verdict. Makes sense, right? But in these civil cases, like this one that E. Jean Carroll brought, funded by a Democratic donor, They don't have that burden on them, the jury. What do they care? They're not talking about sending him to jail. They're just talking about him rewarding her $5 million. So whereas in a criminal case, when you're talking about loss of freedom, someone going to jail, et cetera, you're talking about being 100% certain that someone's guilty. In these civil cases, you're talking about being 51% sure. That in itself is disgusting. So imagine you're sitting in the jury. E. Jean Carroll is a woman who has called rape sexy on TV. She's previously gone on CNN or wherever Anderson Cooper is. And when asked if she was going to bring any charges or bring a case against Donald Trump for her allegations of rape, She says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. He says, why? Why wouldn't you do that, E. Jean Carroll? Well, because my rape was just, you know, it it wasn't even, she didn't even want to call it a rape, you know, but there's all these women in 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 the world who are being raped all the time and it just, it would be really wrong for me because my rape was only three minutes, you know? That's how flippant she was about it. So this is a woman who couldn't recall the date or time that this event happened. She just said it happened, you know, in the spring of this year or the fall of another year. It happened in Bergdorf Goodman. No one saw it. There's no witnesses to this. And then nearly 30 years later, when she's publishing a book, she decides to reveal this thing that isn't troubling her at all, actually, that she has raped, has been raped by Donald Trump. What's your proof? Well, I, my word. And you waited 30 years to come forward. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I just, you know, the Me Too movement just really inspired me to come forward about Donald Trump. And what's really appalling about this, too, the judge in this case is a Clinton appointee hack. And he allowed character defamation to happen in this suit. So the jury wasn't basing their decision on the strength of E. Jean Carroll's claims and the fact that there was no evidence whatsoever. No evidence at all for this, remember. But they played the Access Hollywood tape that the Democratic Party revealed in their November surprise or October surprise in 2016 to try and sink Trump's election chances. That's the one where he said, grab her by the, you know. And so based on that, their whole argument was, look, if he would make this joke 
20 years ago with this other guy who's also making fun of women, who's interviewing him. And they're engaged in this locker room talk together. And Trump would actually say, grab, you know, they let you grab him by the, you know what? Well, if he said that, then it's probably likely that he raped her. Does this sound like justice to you? So a mentally ill woman can make an accusation against a former president of the United States and the New York governor will change the law so that the statute of limitations no longer applies so that that lawsuit can be brought despite the fact that the rape alleged incident of rape took place 30 years ago. And then a Democrat donor will fund the lawsuit and a Democrat judge will put together a jury and you'll have a civil case and a jury in New York City will find a former president guilty because a woman said he raped me. Now, Tara Reid, back in 1993, a Senate aide to who? Joe Biden. She was a Senate aide to Joe Biden, and she claimed that he, I'm sorry, whatever, I just got to say it. He claimed that she fingered her, he fingered her in the hallway. And she was dismissed and ridiculed and attacked. Her credibility was under attack. Now, unfortunately, this happened in D.C., And in D.C., no one is lifting the statute of limitations so that Tara Reid can bring a lawsuit. But let's compare. So in 1993, Tara Reid said that this took place. And she has a friend who says it happened. And guess what happened in 1993? Tara Reid's mother called into Larry King Live and said what you're going to hear in this clip. How's this for evidence? Go ahead and play cut one, Captain. on this very important topic. Our guests are former United States Senator Howard Baker, Richard Allen, former National Security Advisor, and Lois Romano of the Washington Post. San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what um, a a staffer uh, would do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there. Uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. Well, now, but these are the people who do come to the Lois Romanos, right? The mm-hmm. staff worker who says, I want to let you know about what's going this on. Either going with my boss or the guy down the hall. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people have a sense of obligation. They feel that this public official should be accountable if it's something wrong. whistleblowers to the press. So the woman that the Democrats are discrediting, her mother called into Larry King around the same time that Tara Reid claims she was fingered by Joe Biden in a hallway. And in the meantime... What does E. Jean Carroll have? Nothing. But now the verbiage, the attacks are going to be Donald Trump's convicted. But the good news is, screw it. Nobody really cares. That's the reality. This is not going to sink Donald Trump's chances. And I don't want you to listen to dummies like Asa Hutchinson. Who else? I heard Mo Brooks, maybe. I don't want to be wrong about this. But a bunch of these rhino creeps who we want nothing to do with, who are the whole problem with this party, who are corrupt losers, professional losers, that's all they are. 
They're out there dumping on Trump. They're out there trying to say, oh, we, we can't nominate this guy. So I think that if you're looking at the response from the media now, if you're looking at the response from Republicans, I think that we can put to rest, finally, the myth that many of us might have entertained in the past that the Democrats want to face Donald Trump in the 2024 election because they think he's the easiest to beat. BS. BS. That that's why they're doing this. Uh, I'm just looking through. You know, I print off this thing. I don't know if there's any other relevant information. So you don't have to listen to anybody else talk about this. I know it's, it's getting old to me too. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I just have to laugh though. The jury finds Trump liable for defaming Carol, but they didn't agree with her charge that Trump raped her. And imagine this too. You have a jury that's so set on getting Trump on something that instead of coming forward and just saying he's not guilty of the accusation of rape, they instead decide to downgrade it to something they can live with themselves, you know, for, for ruling. I mean, I mean, how does this happen, by the way? She says Donald Trump raped her and the jury finds him guilty of sexual battery. How does that happen? That means that the jury didn't agree with her allegation. That means this is made up and fake. How do you come forward if you're E. Jean Carroll and say he raped me and the jury says, we don't believe you, but maybe sexual battery, huh? Did that happen? I mean, do you understand? No one's in the, no one's in the dressing room with her, right? She's saying she was in the fitting room. No one saw it and he raped her. So he raped her or he didn't. Is that not what's on the table? But no, somehow, and I'm not an expert on this. I did talk to a lawyer earlier today to ask about this. She, she had to look into the case a little bit more, but this is typically what happens. You can downgrade the charge, I guess. But that's my point. I mean, it's like, I mean, I can't even think of an analogy right now because this one doesn't really need one. It's so stupid. Trump raped me. No, we disagree. But how about sexual battery? Does that work? You can still get the charge. You see how corrupt this is? Unbelievable. But, you know, typically introducing something like the Access Hollywood tape to this, I mean, it's irrelevant. It has nothing to do with this at all. And they brought in all these other women who can't prove anything that were just making the same bogus claims about Trump. He did this. He did that. And meanwhile, I just played for you Tara Reid's mother calling into Larry King and confirming that something happened to her daughter. But you'll never hear about it. Anyway, um, you know, tomorrow, I think, yeah, tomorrow we're supposed to expect James Comer. I mean, they're, cl- I mean, they're really building this up. They're really building up the goods about, you know, Joe Biden here. And obviously the media is just distracted with all this fodder they're being fed by the Demo- by, by by all this corruption. Oh, yeah, let's keep focused on Trump all the time. And I don't know. I got a theory on Ukraine I'll give you in a second too. But but anyway, look, I just, I'm kind of trying to temper my expectations here just for my own sanity. 
because, it, I, you know, Comer's allegations, I mean, we know what they are. I've told you what they are. Many of you probably already knew what they were. What Joe Biden did in one instance was he was paid by Burisma to get the prosecutor fired. That's what happened. That's the quid pro quo. But the problem in all this all along has been, you know, he's, he's all of this money. So we, we know for a fact. We know for a fact that Burisma paid Hunter Biden, right? We know that as a matter of fact. But they set up all these LLCs, right? They set up all these shell companies to funnel this money through. And so the problem is, you know, all this money goes from Burisma to these LLCs, and then it goes out to, and then it's distributed to members of the Biden family. Obviously, the question is, what did they do to earn those payments? The answer seems pretty obvious, right? But, you know, here's the thing. That's not good enough to obtain a conviction in a court of law. And that's why I wanted to bring this up now. Because you just had a court of law in a civil case, a jury, rule that Donald Trump was guilty of sexual battery and defamation, even though their ruling, the fact that they downgraded, downgraded E. Jean Carroll's own claim of rape to sexual battery, Proves what? Who is defaming who? You know, and, and you know, you have, a, you have a corrupt Justice Department. You know what I saw today, Captain? So the Justice Department has a, a inve- criminal investigation into George Santos now. And they've sealed it. So none of us have the ability to know what the Department of Justice is up to. Again, in the shadows. Now look. I'm not some cheerleader for George Santos, but I'll tell you what, I'll cheerlead for him all day long over the Democrats. But George Santos has questionable character, no doubt about it. But George Santos is no different than the president of the United States who's lied about his entire history. But George Santos is under a criminal investigation by the DOJ. Now, they're suggesting that it has to do with campaign finance, which is a joke. Hillary Clinton is guilty of violating campaign finance laws. So is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So are most, I won't say most, but so are many prominent members of Congress and the Senate guilty of campaign finance violations, including Barack Obama, who paid the biggest fine in history for a campaign campaign finance violation. And what you have here is they're picking off Republicans. And you've got plenty of weak rhinos who are more than happy to cave to this pressure. And that's why I say, you know, these Asa Hutchinson types out there who are saying that, oh, Donald Trump was just convicted by the jury. And Asa Hutchinson's defending the legal system. Asa Hutchinson's out there defending this jury. You have to trust them. This is how the system works. Asa Hutchinson can rot in hell. I said it, and I'll keep talking this way all day long because that's amorality. This person doesn't have the guts to stand up for what's right. We all know what just took place here in this this civil trial. It wasn't justice. He raped me. Where's the proof? Well, 20 years ago, he there's an access Hollywood tape of him saying, grab the women by the... Okay, you're right. He probably raped her. That's not justice. And Asa Hutchinson... I mean, you don't have to like Trump. What is happening to Trump has no place in any free society. What is happening in this country to Trump is outrageous. 
outrageous. We've never seen anything like this in our lives. And meanwhile, you've got Bill Clinton while they're sitting here claiming that Donald Trump's the first person indicted for sexual battery or whatever in the civil trial, the first whatever, the twice impeached. You have Bill Clinton, who they still love and herald as a hero, who flew with Jeffrey Epstein on his jet numerous times and he made, made sure Social Security, Social Security, <laughs> oh, the Secret Service is what I was trying to say, wasn't flying with him. Gee, what was he up to? Not to mention the fact that he was impeached and he was actually guilty of lying to Congress, right? He said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And meanwhile, he's getting a BJ under the uh, Resolute desk. I don't know which one he used. You know, they can go and, you know, when you become president, you can go in there and you can shop for furniture, right? You can, I want the Teddy Roosevelt desk. Nah, I like the one George Washington had. It's kind of cool, isn't it? All right. I just want to talk about a story here because I can personally relate to this and it's absurd. I mean, it's just one thing after another with the weaponization of the Justice Department against you and me and literally me. So I, 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 this is a fun moment. I like these where I can actually impart some information that's personal and inside baseball to you. So MailChimp, which I think is owned by Microsoft. I could be wrong. But it's definitely not owned by Elon Musk. I'll tell you that right now. But I, I think MailChimp is Microsoft. But MailChimp, you know what MailChimp is, Captain? Okay. Well, for those of you who don't know, MailChimp is just an email system. It just streamlines everything for you. So for example, I use MailChimp all day today, right? So in my other life, I'm doing PR, right? So I, I tell you, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't have to report that I'm actually shut down like this. But anyway, so MailChimp's this email system and it doesn't send it from a MailChimp account, right? So you can put in your Google address or whatever email account you already use and MailChimp will just, it's got templates on it. It's really easy to use. You can send things that look really nice. That's all it is. It's a, it's a way to construct an email and send it out through MailChimp and all the replies will come to your email address that you put in. It comes from that, from your, like, so, well, I'm not giving up my email address. No way. No way am I doing that. All right. So MailChimp censored Senator J.D. Vance's press release. So I'll just read this real quick. So the press team for Senator J.D. Vance had their access to MailChimp suspended after linking to a post on Truth Social by Donald Trump, in which the former president backed the Ohio senator's new legislation on railway safety. How could this happen? Well, anyway, MailChimp, that's, it's an email marketing platform. I'm glad I have this article. That's what you call these things, an email marketing platform. It took more than a day to restore access to Senator Vance's team, and they blame the suspension on an error caused by Omnivore, the company's automatic abuse prevention system. See, AI is in place in all of these things. They're scouring your emails. They're looking through things. And I'm telling you, nothing's private. Nothing's private. They've got access to everything. So the reason I'm, I, I kind of had a laugh with my buddy who I work with in, in PR because this happened to him. It hasn't happened to me yet. But so I'll just give you, so, you know, we got like 40,000 press contacts, right? And we send out these emails. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example today. I don't know if you saw this. So the government regulatory body who oversees the airwaves, TV stations in the UK, they just 
uh, are censuring GB News. Now, GB News is what Fox News used to be in the U.S. GB News, it's huge. Mark Stein was on there, and he got axed, I believe, is what happened to him, because he had Naomi Wolf, Dr. Naomi Wolf, on his show to talk about adverse effects from the vaccine. Now, Dr. Naomi Wolf used data from Pfizer. She used their own research to talk about these adverse effects. And Big Pharma, of course, is colluding with governments to shut that down. And so this regulatory body, I forget what it's called right now, they're going after Dr. Naomi Wolf, they're smearing her reputation, and they're targeting GB News. They already got to Mark Stein. They got him fired. It's kind of like what they did at Fox News with the Dominion case. But anyway, this is the regulatory body. So they're coming in and saying, you don't have free speech. Now, what they're accusing Dr. Naomi Wolf of is telling the truth. Now, the reason I tell you that backstory is because Dr. Wolf is a client of, of ours. And so I pitched Dr. Naomi Wolf on this story. So I put it out there, you know, to these press contacts, you know, to book her for interviews to talk about this and so on and so forth. And I went through MailChimp and I was actually waiting to be shut down. Because anyway, a little over a year ago, my buddy got shut down. He got kicked off of MailChimp permanently. Because he was, he was promoting the Kennedy book about the vaccines. About COVID. And they shut, they, they, they shut that book down. So they go through and they scour this stuff. You have the word insurrection in there. You have the word Trump. You have truth social. Well, this AI goes in and flags it. This is what's happening all the time in America. And so this AI flagged J.D. Vance's email because he had Truth Social in it and Donald Trump, I'm sure, and it went in, red flag went off, the alarm, the censorship alarm, and they shut his account down. So they flagged. So anyway, it explains. The the company won't tell you, of course, the reason for the ban. They said specific keywords and content flagged by Omnivore are constantly changing. So anyway, I mean, this is the kind of crap we have to deal with and live with, though. You know, no, no liberal ever thinks about the things they say. Ever. Ever. But we do. We do. All right. So uh, Title 43, 42, 41. It's been a long day, Captain. And the baby wouldn't sleep last night. And I'm really worried she's not going to sleep tonight either. You know, the, the, you know my daughter, she's whew, almost six weeks now. And she's an angel. She's precious. I love her like I've never loved anything in my life. But, you know, she didn't sl- want to sleep today with my wife. She wanted to stay up all day, which is a, a problem, right? Because you got an overtired baby that's not going to sleep at night. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's contradictory to me. It's like, you should be exhausted. Why don't you sleep now? Like, okay, all those eight hours you didn't sleep today, let's do them in a row now. It doesn't work that way. So anyway, it, it's Title 42, right, Captain? I mean, I, li- I was on a radio show today. My buddy asked me to come on, Andy Hooser. And I talked to him about it. Title 42, that's right. So, 
this is lifting and it's hard to imagine that things can get worse at the southern border than they already are it really is hard to fathom that i mean we we were we were they were posting numbers close to 300,000 apprehensions in a month this is last year in 2022 i think like february or something it was 200 plus 1000 apprehensions now those are people that they ran into that went through the quote unquote system of catch and release, if you will. Those aren't people that just, they never met. And it's, it's, it's interesting. CNN and people are suddenly on the border. They have not been to the border ever, ever. And now all of a sudden the left-wing media who loves illegal immigration, they are down there with their video cameras, which is peculiar, don't you think? Why the change? Maybe we can figure that out. I saw, by the way, speaking of illegal immigration, I shouldn't say this because now I'm doing it from memory and I don't want to get this wrong. Maybe you can fact check me, Captain. But there was, the, there was the individual in Davis, UC Davis. He was being called a serial killer because he was killing people with a knife. We talked about him on the show. And I think he's illegal. I think he's illegal. I'll keep talking about this, but see if you can find that out, Captain. You won't find it on CNN probably, but I'm sure Breitbart or somebody actually talks about it. But, but let me know if you, if you, if you see that. I, I just want confirmation. I read something about it. He's illegal. I don't remember what the, the exact story was. But it's just another example of somebody who shouldn't be here who's killing people. We're really bringing over the best and the brightest, aren't we? But anyway, I got a clip here. I'll play of um, this individual who was on, I think he's on CNN, MSNBC, MSNBC. Now, this is somebody who runs one of these humanitarian centers out there. He runs these shelters for the illegals. And you'll hear from the horse's mouth, you know, what this individual is saying to MSNBC about how bad and dire the situation is there. But what you'll learn is, you know, the Biden administration... They're not solving a humanitarian crisis. They're actually creating a humanitarian crisis in America. And it's outrageous. And more than 7 million already in the country, where are they? What are they doing for work? Who's paying them? Who's feeding them? Where are they? I mean, this is the kind of thing that will change this country for the next, could be 100 years. That and the debt crisis as well, which we'll get into in a minute. We've got, oh, that's a big one I got to get to soon. We got to deal with the debt ceiling because you're going to be amongst the most informed Americans, if you all aren't already, about the debt ceiling and that lie. Let them quote unquote default is what I say because you can't default. They have to pay the bills. And if they don't pay the bills, it's because President Biden isn't doing his job. He's violating his constitutional oath. But anyway, Captain, go ahead and play cut one. Play that, play that cut two for me. I just want you to hear this. I, it, it, look, it might go on for two minutes, uh, but it, it's worth hearing. Well, the, the reality is that we're overwhelmed. Um, we've got several partners within the community. All of the emergency shelters are operating at or over capacity. And to give you an example of our situation with the Opportunity Center for the Homeless, 
We've got 200 inside the shelter, and we've had up to 810 outside the shelter camped in the alley. Uh, so it truly is a humanitarian crisis. And this is before Title 42 is lifted on, on Thursday night at, that, at midnight. What are you expecting coming come Friday? Well, you're absolutely correct. This all started for us a little over a week and a half ago when we saw the influx come in and that it's exponentially increased. And it is prior to the lifting of Title 42. And we are expecting the worst. Um, we are hearing numbers anywhere from 500 to 1,000 to 1,500. And it just depends upon the source that you're talking to. The difficulty that we have is that we've got a mix of individuals and or families as it relates to the processing, uh, some of which that have gone through it, many of which that have not. And they've been relying on either the CBP-1 app or they've been trying to file their applications online. But most recently, we found that uh, you're not able to travel if you go through the online process or also what's referred to as the pro se. So, again, that means they're staying in El Paso. So, John, I mean, I... I I was actually in one of your shelters back in, in September, speaking to folks there. How have things changed since September to now at, at the different centers that you're in charge of? In all honesty, even at the height of what we saw at the latter part of 2022, uh, we've never seen the situation as critical as what you've got here. And I do recall the day that you were down there. That's one of three emergency shelters. We call it the Welcome Center that has been impacted. That particular facility still focuses on families, whereas our single men and our single, single women's facility is located on Myrtle, which is where we have the encampment behind us of up to 800 individuals. Okay. I'll tell you what I think they're going to do here. The media has pretty much not covered the border crisis. Occasionally they come along and they whip up the story about the Haitian migrants being whipped by the border patrol agents and so on and so forth. Okay, update. Captain has it for me. The serial killer in Davis was came over as an unaccompanied minor. He was here illegally. It's the guns. It's the effing guns, though. Not the unaccompanied minor illegal with the knife. It's the guns. So I, I think that we're going to see a rewriting of history right now. Wow. Okay, sorry. C Captain's giving me all this great info. Ice had a detainer on him. Okay. So I think that revisionist history is about to take place. This border situation is the kind of thing that could bring down the Biden presidency in addition to everything else. It's just not a good situation and pretty universally. As much as Americans can agree on anything in this day and age, Pretty much Democrats and Republicans and independents and everybody across the political spectrum in this country agrees and acknowledges that there is a problem at the border. And 
all of this immigration has been happening despite the fact that Title 42 was still in place, right? Title 42 was simply the equivalent of a health code which was used to turn illegal aliens around due to a health emergency, right? So that's lifted. And so now they have no excuse. The signal to the illegals out there is there's nothing that can prevent us from entering the country, including Title 42. There's no chance of us being turned around. We're all going to be welcome. So now they're all rushing to the border. I think that they will blame this surge. They'll pretend like... They'll pretend like it didn't happen before and they'll pretend like it's it's not Biden's fault. It's just because Title 42 lifted. You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's just because Title 42 is gone. It's not our policies or anything else like that. It's because there's no more Title 42. Now, we've already heard this administration lie about everything. Everything. And they have to lie about everything because how can they tell the truth? They're responsible for everything bad that's happened in this country. And there's nothing good that's happened under this administration. So, I mean, I, we'll see what, they, what they're going to try and do with this. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know where they can go. They, they, they've tried to blame Trump, believe it or not, for the border. They, they blame him for everything. I, I, uh, there's supposed to be a CNN town hall, Captain. Do you know if that's tomorrow? I don't know if you heard about this. The left was very upset because CNN has actually had, had agreed to host Donald Trump for a town hall. And, you know, not, you're not supposed to do that. He's an insurrectionist. He's a, he's a fascist. He's Mussolini and Hitler combined. And CNN's going to host him. And I really hope he's going in here prepared. I, I haven't paid much attention to it. Now, since this verdict came out with this corrupt jury in New York about the sexual abuse claim, Well, now this jury, well, sorry, now Democrats are calling for CNN to cancel this. How can you possibly host and give airtime to this sexual abuser? It's in New Hampshire, this CNN debate. Well, Captain, you should go. You won't, you won't be around. Yeah. I should tell them. I should tell them just so that they appreciate this show so much. Captain, you're sitting in a hotel room somewhere in an undisclosed location because he, well, he's, he's resting for the night before he gets on a plane tomorrow and flies a bunch of you around. You could be on his flight tomorrow. We won't disclose any more than that. But you could have been on a flight with this guy. If you were, I'm sure it was the I'm sure it was memorable as the smoothest flight you've ever had because you know, Captain's got what, 28 years Air Force? He's 28 years in the Air Force. Thanks for your service, Captain. But but it, so, you know, he's a great pilot. He's not like these new DEI hires where it's like Oh, you're half black and Native American? Great. Hop into the cockpit we've got the first also the first one to crash a plane but anyway oh boy it's been a heck of a day it really has i just i was i can't i can't say i was dealing with fox news today captain as well 
And uh, they're not what they used to be. Let me just put it that way. They're not what they used to be. Tucker Carlson is going to Twitter. Did you hear that? And, and the left is already saying, oh, it's going to fail. I mean, these people, how would that, all they do is fail. Tucker Carlson on his worst night had three times the audience as the next best person on the left. And it's going to take off and sail. And, and, and I, I made the joke. I wasn't really joking because I, I thought he could do it anyway. I really did sincerely believe it. But I said, Tucker Carlson could do a show on his iPhone. And he would have the biggest audience still in America. And now he's doing it on Twitter. And it'll be the same quality. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to take off. It's going to be amazing. All right. Let, let me. I got two things I want to hit here before uh, I, I fall asleep. I'm just kidding. I never fall asleep. I'm having a good time with you guys and girls and pronouns. Uh, okay, first things first. I don't have the name of this author. I'll link to it on my Substack, drewallen.substack.com. Because it was actually, it was on Bongino Report. Maybe some of you, you came across this. But it just, it really summarizes. Well, the headline says it all. Everything you've heard about the debt limit is wrong. And so I just want to want to want to inform you with some of these pull quotes because I, I can't improve upon this. I mean, this is this is said so well, and it's actually about three thousand words. But anyway, so the media and everyone keeps telling us what that the U.S. government's going to default on its debt if Congress doesn't raise the debt limit. That's not true. That's not true. By law, you can't default on the debt. Because federal law and the Constitution require the Treasury pays the debt. And the point is, it has the tax revenue to do this. The other lie, for example, I, I, I don't know if he gives the numbers here or not, but I think 2022 fiscal year, I think the U.S. government took in over $5 trillion in taxes. I think it was 5.1 or 5.2 trillion. An enormous sum though, right? And so the other lie the left always says, and they've been saying for decades is, your social security benefits are going to be cut if we don't raise the debt ceiling. That too is a lie. I don't know how else to tell you this, except it's not true. The only way people wouldn't get paid social security is if Joe Biden illegally took Social Security revenues and put them in other programs. So that's not true. And this is why I hope the House Republicans hold it together. Because this is a check on the government. Do you realize the fact that we are $30 trillion in debt? If you think about the founding fathers and you think about one of the major instigators of their war against Britain was taxation without representation and really in a nutshell, in a broad way, what they were talking about was the king could go and start a war or do whatever he wanted to do that had no positive benefit for the colonists. And then he could go to the colonists and demand they pay for it. And they had nothing they could do about it. Now, we have, quote-unquote, representation, but not really. 
We have these people who are psychopaths and sociopaths who are spending our grandchildren into oblivion. So the debt is $31.5 trillion. Do you know how much money you owe and I owe? Every single person listening out there, do you know what your share of the debt is? Every home in the nation, $239,763. That's what you're on the hook for. But the reality is when you actually talk about all the unfunded liabilities out there, you're talking about $135 trillion. And then your household debt, each individual, each, each house in this country, $1 million is what you're on the hook for. And, the, and, the, and Biden and the Democrats just refused to do anything about it. Okay, I was, $4.9 trillion was the revenue, tax revenue. $4.9 trillion in 2022. That's a lot of money. So the, so anyway, let's go on real quick. So the, the default farce. Yeah, so they spent $6.27 trillion, Captain's showing me here. It's just nuts. And so, I mean, the whole premise is crazy anyway. So we're $31.5 trillion in debt. And the government, they want to spend more money. And they don't want to make any cuts. They just want to continue to add and add and add. And you have this lie about Joe Biden. He keeps telling about how he cut the debt. And, or deficit, whatever he keeps lying about that's not true. In fact, the budget framework that has been proposed by Biden, it would grow our national debt by nearly $20 trillion, $19.8 trillion over the next 10 years. You're talking about going from $30 trillion in debt to $50 trillion in 20 years. That's not, this is a serious problem in the country. So the U.S. Treasury, right, the person, the, well, the entity, the bureaucracy, the, 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 that's not the right word either, but the U.S. Treasury, which is responsible for managing the national debt, making these payments, they're part of the executive branch of the government. That's under the authority of the president of the United States. And Biden keeps saying time and time again, unless the debt ceiling is raised, a government will, the government will default on its debt for the first time in the history. A default is a failure to meet a financial obligation. And of course, Politico, NPR, CNN, NBC, New York Times, Washington Post, they're all reporting that not raising the debt limit is going to cause the government to default on its debt. But the federal law requires the Treasury to pay the debt, and the federal government has the revenue to do it. So if there's a default, it's only because the Biden administration has broken the law. You see, what this would force if you make them face this decision is they will have to make cuts to pay the debt. That's the reality. Now, they have to pay Social Security. They have to pay those programs. They, by law, have to pay them. And if they don't, they're breaking the law. They're trying to make you hurt in violation of the law for political points. But, I mean, you know, I happen to be, I think I was in the car driving today, and I'll just, I'll just repeat it because... It was said, well, I don't mind giving credit. Dan Bongino was talking about this very thing. And he, t- he, he I think he used $30,000. And he said, imagine you're $30,000 in debt. And you go to your bank. And, you know, they're expecting you, you know, to show up and start paying your debt down. And you ask them for more money to keep spending. 
That's absolutely insane. That's not how this works. Um, and really, you know, we have all these mandatory programs like Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, other social programs, and those have to be fixed. They have to be ripped apart. I'm sorry. You know, the federal budget, just to give you an idea, consumed by these welfare programs, it was 30% in the early 70s, and it's more than 60% of the budget today. That means that, well, just what I said, more than 60% of our budget is spent on welfare. It's not sustainable. So I'm tired of these lies. I mean, you know, what should happen here is we should say, no, we're not raising the debt ceiling. You're at $31.5 trillion. You don't need to spend more money. I mean, this is the thing. They spend more money each year. That's insane. They're not paying down the debt at all, and they only increase it. It's so irresponsible, and that in itself is a dereliction of duty. All right. And they do not want this to happen for the, the Republicans not to cave because you know what the American people would find out? That they're full of shiza, that they've been lying for the last 25 years about what would happen, that we would finally learn that they're full of crap. Just what I told you, just what the laws are, just what federal law dictates. They'd find out that, guess what? Social security checks are still going out. Guess what? We didn't default. Guess what? The Democrats and Congress have to make a difficult decision, finally, like we all do in our own lives, to make cuts and live within their means. And the problem here, of course, is it's easy to spend someone else's money. And that's what Congress does. They're getting their fat paychecks. They're making more than most Americans in this country that we're paying them for to do their jobs. It's amazing. What do we pay these arseholes for anyway? To give us inflation, to take away our gas stoves, to take away our automobiles. I'm done. So amidst all this, guess what just happened? Uh, Joe Biden and... um, well, you know, they're giving $1.2 billion more to Ukraine. I don't know what it brings the total to. $36.9 billion, I think, is what it's at. Close to $40 billion is what we've given to Ukraine. And I want to tell you a theory. You haven't heard this anywhere else. This is the first time I've uttered the words. Don't share this. Keep it between us. Well, it's really two theories. It could be either one. Now, when I look now at the Russia-Ukraine war, and I look at how we're just pouring an infinite amount of money in there, and we know that they've been laundering the money. We know that it's been misspent. We know it's been stolen. We know it's been used to pad the pockets of Zelensky and his cronies, his allies. We know this. And when I also look at Ukraine's history and I look at how the Democratic Party 
almost uniquely has been involved there and treated Ukraine as their playground and like a satellite country of America, but only run by Democrats. When I look at Joe Biden's involvement there, his corruption with Burisma and his involvement in that scandal, I have to wonder if this whole Russia-Ukraine war was an instigate. Well, here's the first theory. I probably shouldn't even be doing this, but anyway. We know pretty matter-of-factly that Joe Biden ordered the Nord Stream pipeline in the Baltic Sea to be blown up by... U.S. divers. What did that do? What did that do? It escalated tensions, escalated the war, forced NATO's hand to get involved there. Under Joe Biden, we had him issue pretty much no warnings to Russia, almost invite them to invade. Now, what does Ukraine need right now? Ukraine needs American resources. American needs our, uh, Ukraine needs our money. They need our, our tanks. They need our equipment and everything else to deal with the Russians right now. What do the Ukrainians have on Joe Biden? What do the Ukrainians have in the government on Democrat corruption there? On Soros? On Barack Obama before that? Hillary Clinton? All these people. I have to wonder if there's not a quid pro quo going on here, such that we continue to pour money into Ukraine and the Ukrainians keep their mouths quiet about what the Democrats have been up to, or vice versa, these Ukrainians demand this unlimited pouring of resources into the country in exchange for their silence. This war has never made sense to me. And the, even the simple, simplification of the military-industrial complex isn't even enough for me. I mean, I, I believe that exists. I do. But this has never made sense. The, the Democrats never used to care. I mean, they were friendly with Russia. Let, let's just go back real quick in the remaining couple minutes we have. It was the Obama administration who reset relations with Russia. It was they who cozied up. Remember when Hillary Clinton went over there and she sat down with the reset button and she got the name wrong in Russian? She got the translation wrong and it actually said overcharge, which was emblematic. It was foreshadowing of what was going to happen as the Russians ran roughshod over the Obama administration. But it was them who went. It was Barack Obama before his second election in 2012, that sat across from Medvedev and touched him on the knee and whispered in a hot mic moment that he'll have more flexibility after the election. And they were talking about dealing with arms and so on and so forth. It was Hillary Clinton, whose husband, Bill Clinton, went to Moscow and got paid $500,000 for a speech. And this happened to coincide at the moment that the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, we're trying to decide whether or not to greenlight the acquisition of 
20% of U.S. uranium to a Russian state-owned company. And there was an informant that the FBI had in that company with the Russians. They could attest to bribery, extortion. It was a corrupt company. And they hid that from Congress. And they forced this, they approved this sale. And we sold 20%. I mean, I don't know what says friendly like giving 20% of American Ukrainian to the sworn enemy of America, according to the Democrats, right? And then all of a sudden, in 2016, the Democrats are blaming Russia for everything when it was Democrats who had such a cozy relationship with the Russians, who talked about resetting relations with them, who gave them our uranium. Bill Clinton went and gave a speech in Moscow and got paid $500,000. So it doesn't add up to me. And then they invent this new narrative all of a sudden that Trump and Russia collusion. The Democrats have had that all along and been friendly with them. And then the Democrats are in Ukraine doing the same thing. All buddy-buddy, cozy-cozy with everyone. And I just look at the way this administration and the establishment, the deep state, went after anybody who claimed that Joe Biden was guilty of bribery, which is what all this goes back to back in 2015 with Burisma, calling the, you know, getting the prosecutor fired, fired, calling Poroshenko, fire this guy, he's looking into Burisma and looking into my son. And that never went away. That was 2019. And you have new leadership in there. But I have to wonder, I mean, this is a problem. What do the Ukrainians have on these politicians? In addition to China, we talk about China. What do they have? What do the Ukrainians have? I mean, it's a big deal. And look at the links the Democrats went to to shut that narrative down. Raiding Giuliani's home because he met with the whistleblower, the Ukrainian parliament member who told him, about this, said he had the goods on it. So I just think this more to the story. And we haven't heard much about Ukraine in that war lately, have we? It's not in the news whatsoever. I guess it's going on. Things are happening. All I know is our money keeps going over there. But anyway, all right. This is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. God bless you all. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Allen. As Drew Allen. conservative. I to this guy for wisdom.